and welcome to The Big Review Ski. My name is Owen Doherty, and if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you for joining us. If this isn't your first time, and you've been here loads of times before, thank you for coming back. And speaking of coming back, everybody knows that the entire world is completely bonkers at the moment. And those completely bonkers circumstances meant that the one and only Rory Cashin, we couldn't be together for a little while, but now completely bonkers circumstances mean that we can. And Rory, I want to say I cannot overemphasize how excited I am to have you here beside me in a virtual sense. Are you similarly excited? I can hear you're, you're excited already. <laughs> well, you say you can't overemphasize it, but I'd like you to try. I'd like you to try to overemphasize it. No, I, trust me, I can't. Trust me. <laughs> I thought about ways I could overemphasize it, and I, I honestly can't. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to you glaring at me disapprovingly once more, and the constant judging that happens in like those awkward silences between us. Well, not just in the silences, also with my words. <laughs> also with the words. Feel free to judge. So we're back. This is the first show of 2021. We've already got... Uh, an amazing number of interviews that are going to be coming up over the next few weeks and months. But, you know, we didn't want to disappoint with the very first show out. And so we're back with a bang. And by a bang, I, of course, mean Emile Hirsch. Yes. One of the world's most famous bangs. Is that why we're introducing Emile Hirsch? <laughs> That's what he is. I saw him on a list of top 37 bangs. He was in there. Great. thirty Top 35 bangs under 35. Like, I, I, I don't know where to take this juncture of conversation but yeah uh emile hirsch uh is in a new movie called sun which is directed by irish director ivan Kavanagh, who people might remember from uh, an irish horror movie called the canal i believe we spoke about it before on reviewski uh and i talked about how it's one of the very few decent irish horror movies uh that i've ever seen so he is working with that director on a new horror movie that has a lot in common to me, it looks like it has a lot in common with Hereditary. It's kind of a cult thriller, psychological horror. Uh, and he is the 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 doctor who is involved going, no, 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 your son, your son isn't involved with the devil. It's all medical. Don't you worry about it. And if you've ever, oh, no. if you've ever seen a horror film. <laughs> I've seen a horror film. I, I know you have. Uh, just the one, though. But if you've ever seen the second <laughs> I one. I don't want to over. I don't want to overemphasize horror films either. I don't want to overdo it. No, I don't. No, I don't think you can physically or emotionally. But so he is uh, in that movie, and that movie is part of this year's Dublin International Film Festival that is running through part, throughout part of March. Uh, so we were lucky enough to have a nice chunk of time with Emil. Um, and before the interview, obviously, I did the minimal amount of research that uh, you, you could do. At of course, the- I wouldn't expect anything. <laughs> anything less from you. Uh, which is essentially just looking at his IMDb page and going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was <laughs> oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out uh, I owe oh, yeah to so many of his films that I completely forgot he was in uh, and some that, obviously, people, everyone remembers he was in. So stuff from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Quentin Tarantino to Killer Joe, directed by William Freakin. That was kind of part of the whole McConaughey's comeback. Um, he was in... That's right. Yeah, he was in Speed Racer, uh, which was the Wachowski's first post-Matrix film. Uh, he was obviously Into the Wild, The Girl Next Door. So he has one of those CVs that, again, as you're going through it, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember, I've actually seen everything he's been in. Um, so... 
lucky enough to chat to him about pretty much every aspect of his career to date. Uh, lovely fellow from calling all the way from LA just to talk to me. Uh, and this is what he had to say. Emil, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, It's a little bit surprisingly overcast in Los Angeles. It was very sunny yesterday, but today is uh, a little bit overcast. So it's a slightly different vibe. A little more in line with the movie. Yesterday, it was so bright uh, and and cheery doing these interviews. felt a little weird. <laughs> well, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm happier that the mood, the mood is set correctly for for the movie we're talking about. But before we get into that, uh, I am curious. Uh, everyone seems to have had uh, their comfort watch over the course of the the pandemic and the lockdown. I'm curious what uh, what has helped you get through the the endless days in. Um, for me, I've been i started skateboarding again which is something that i did when i was like 14 and then when i shot lords of Dogtown when i was 19 um and i started just for exercise and it was just fun and you know i it beats jogging so i was i started going around all these old skateboard kind of classic spots in los angeles um and skating again and the good thing about not being a professional skater is that like I'm actually a better skateboarder now than when I was 14, which is kind of amazing. You know, I, wasn't, I guess I wasn't. I guess I wasn't all that good because w- w- within a few weeks I was doing tricks that I couldn't even do before, which is pretty cool because I'm almost 36. So it was kind of. I was like, yeah. Not only do I still got it, I'm like way better than I used to be. Um, and I've been hiking, and I've been. Uh, my son is seven years old, so we've been playing a lot of uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild. We beat that game. I don't know if you've ever played it for Nintendo Switch. It's like I sure have. I think it's probably my favorite video game ever. Yeah, it is. But that's that's quite a statement. But I I totally understand. Like it, it's 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 up there. Yeah, you're it, not it, in the it, of the wild camp. What's your favorite video game? The Last of Us, maybe. Oh yeah, I see. I never played that. I I recommend it, but not but not with it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not one to play with uh, with any kids in the room. It is. It's actually quite traumatizing, even for me as an adult. So, it's funny because the Frenchman, uh, who's my music collaborator, I do music on the side. He he told me that that's the best game he's ever played. So, you've got good taste because nobody's got better better taste than the Frenchman. <laughs> well, there you go. You, you'll you'll have to make that your game to play alone next time you're you're uh, you get the night in. So we are here to talk about a little bit about Sun, uh, the new Ivan Kavanaugh uh, horror movie. I loved his previous horror movie, The Canal. I thought it was fantastic, but I am curious how uh, an Irish horror movie kind of comes to your attention. How it is you come to be involved in that? Um. <clears throat> Well, Ivan and I had worked together on Never Grow Old, the Western that we made with John Cusack. And I really enjoyed working with him. I thought he was great. And I liked how he was so committed to world building. And he had, he was so meticulous the way that he, from casting to wardrobe to cinematography, every element, he just was very, very immersed in. And I, I really appreciated that. And I thought when I watched Never Grow Old that that really kind of came across and, and um, and I really liked that movie. And so he sent me the script and it was like, it was the first opportunity that I'd ever had to like work with the same director twice. 
And I always, I, I, you know, I'd always wanted to do that. And, and Ivan, I felt so comfortable with, and he was just somebody that I always liked and I thought he's so talented. So I, I couldn't wait to just do his next film for him. I, it does seem like you've got a, 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 a good kind of radar for, for quality. I have to say, um, I, 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 I consider the, the autopsy of Jane Doe, like one of the, one of the best hidden gem horrors of the last few years. Like anyone who's like, if you got any horror films that you, uh, you maybe haven't seen, I always, that's always one that I recommend. So when it comes to, I guess, specifically like a film like Sun, um, cause horror is a bit like comedy. It can, it can go great or it can go <laughs> really badly as well. Um, yeah. so how do you know when it comes to this particular genre that you're, you're in safe hands? Um, well, on Autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, I was sent that script and I read it and I was, it was just great. And it was, it was just an, it was just an obviously really tight, well done, really scary script. And I remember I, there was a, a journalist for IndieWire, Eric Cohn, who I know. And I asked him, I said, what do you think of this director, Andre Overdahl? And Eric was like, do that movie. So in a way, I have to give Eric a little bit of credit because he was so emphatically supportive of Andre uh, as a director that I just was like, oh man, if Eric says this, he's got to be great. So I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say on that one because I love the script, but you know, the sometimes getting, you know, I, I know a lot of really talented kind of taste maker people within within film and, and I'll run ideas by them. You know, I always will do that. And in, in that particular case, Eric was so positive. And in this case, I knew firsthand from Ivan how talented he was. I love the canal and I love Never Grow Old. So I just knew he was going to do something interesting. Um and I was I was Never Grow Old it has elements of horror, but it's not really horror. So I was I was kind of excited to <clears throat> work with Ivan on kind of a return to his roots in a way because Canal is like straight up work. Uh, so I was kind of into that. And I also, <clears throat> I think I was a little bit attracted to Sun because I'd worked with William Friedkin who on Killer Joe, who directed The Exorcist. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Exorcist or Rosemary's Baby or The Omen. So I, I was kind of interested in, in that, in, in exploring that because Freakin always used to tell these like amazing stories about the exorcist. A lot of things I never knew about the exorcist. Like when the exorcist came out for a while, it was the biggest movie of all time, which is yeah. pretty crazy. Think about a rated R absolutely terrifying horror movie. Um, <clears throat> so clearly I knew there was an audience for the kind of material that Sun was as well. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, it's kind of staggering. Um, because, like, as I was saying, like a lot of the movies are that you've become involved in, they they they're some of my favorite genre movies. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, you've got the likes of Into the Wild and Milk, where you've it's it's all based on true true events. But like, when it comes to stuff like Killer Joe, uh, Lone Survivor, obviously, like there's 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 a certain type of enjoyment in those kind of films, like a, a kind of, a, like a, a perverse enjoyment where you're like, I'm having a great time, even though everyone on screen is having a terrible time. Yeah. Um, so like when it comes to those kind of movies, are, is that something you find yourself naturally drawn to, or is that just like kind of a 
coincidence? I I think um I think I'm naturally drawn to that type of material. I do. I think that you know, sort of similar to how Tarantino used to work at a video store. When I was in my formative movie watching years, uh, I was the kid that was always in this local video store in Santa Fe, New Mexico called the Video Library. And I rented everything, but I would always like troll each section. I would like go methodically through the sections of the video store. Um, So I watched a lot of like really, really, really genre movies in bulk and different ones uh, throughout those years. And it kind of like, it definitely made me a lot more into like genre films and not just like horror, but also, you know, comedy and action, all all these different types of genres. Um, and even like weird, like John Waters esque movies, like the movie I did, uh, an evening with Beverly Loughlin is kind of like, it's very genre. Um, and I don't necessarily know if like, I'm, I'm probably not unique in that way, but I I definitely think that I tend to like to jump around to genres uh, a lot. And I'm just attracted to those types of movies. And a lot of the times, you know, I don't, I don't want to make like the slow, boring, independent drama, even if it's good, but like, I don't want to make that every time I make a movie. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, cause that's just, it, it it wouldn't be me authentically as an actor because that's not that's not what I watch. You know what I mean? I try to I think that my my filmography in a way is like it's sort of similar to like what I would rent at a video store. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the easiest way to describe it. It's like, yeah, I rent a bunch of stuff. It's like it's kind of like, you know, it's like what I pick to make is like what I would pick to watch in a way. Now, like, I, I fully appreciate and understand that. I, I have a similar uh, in that, like, I used to work in a cinema as a projectionist before I began uh, as a journalist. So I totally understand it, like, watching everything all the time as much yeah. as possible. But uh, I guess similarly, like, you're saying there about William Freakin and um, telling kind of historic stories, when you are working with someone like Tarantino, who obviously has made some of the most landmark movies of like modern cinema. Is he someone else who you'd find yourself in long conversations with, or was the, did the opportunity ever arise, you know, to pick his brain or to listen to him, uh, tell revealing kind of stories of his own filmography in the same way. Oh, every day, all day, (laughs) (laughs) every day, all day. Yeah. I mean, he never stops. I mean, he's, he is an absolute machine beast artist. It's, it's incredible. And he's so, he's so generous with his stories and with his wealth of knowledge. I mean, it was really like, it was wild because on once upon a time in Hollywood, I have a pretty small part in that movie, but the way that the schedule was organized, I was on the movie for like seven months. <laughs> it was like this insanely long amount of time. So I had a, a lot of a lot of time with Tarantino and around Tarantino, and you know he's just an incredible dude. And, and I've never met any. I mean, there's nobody like him. I've never met anybody like him. Um, he's truly a like a unique mind, you know. Well, in, in the same way that like uh, Ivan Cabinet is the first director that you're getting to work with twice, um, Tarantino's someone who regularly goes back to his contributors, goes back to the pool that he's worked with before. Um, so, like, I'm assuming or hoping that there is some opportunity for you two to reunite again 
Yeah, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> you were so good in in Hollywood. I thought even even with the small role, it was so impactful. Um, oh, thank you. Just uh, one kind of one one last question, and then I'll, I'll let you get on to your sunny day there. Um, oh no, it's not sunny today. It's cloudy today. Sorry, yes, I've forgotten. Um, I have. How do I put this? Speed Racer. I've never seen a film create such a cult following uh, in such a small amount of time. Like, it only came out t- 2008. And normally, yeah. a, f- a film like that, um, when it when it does create a cult following, it, it, it takes years. But it felt like Speed Racer had a cult following almost immediately. Um, and it's still kind of a reference point for a unique kind of blockbuster all these years later. Um, thinking back on it, uh, do you have any like? Uh, obviously, we've we've gone past. We're coming over fifteen years now. Um, just, just your thoughts on it, and like, because I I was doing some research, and I think the last thing that was said was around two thousand eighteen ish, where scripts had been discussed, and obviously uh, the Wachowski siblings are onto the Matrix Four now. But any conversations there at all coming back to that? I don't know. I don't think that I don't really know if there has. I don't know. I think it would be really cool uh, if they were to make a Speed Racer sequel. I mean, it's interesting because when it came out, it was like got these horrible, mean reviews and it like bombed. And it was like this, it was considered this like massive failure and like all this stuff. And, and you're right. Like in the years since it's, it's like people love the film now. And it, I mean, I think it's cool. I think that that, that's actually kind of in line with like the fate of the cartoon. I mean, the cartoon was, I think it was fairly popular, but the cartoon was only on for like two or three seasons. And then it just kind of grew in stature over the years. So it's kind of, it's, it's funny that I never thought that would happen. You know, the idea that speed racer is this like cult movie that people love now is like, cause you got to remember at the time when it came out, like it was like, the world like rejected it. And we were all kind of surprised because we thought the movie was so rad and, and like kind of ahead of its time. The Wachowskis it was their first movie post matrix and they went all out and they stylistically went in this completely different direction. And it was really groundbreaking the way that they did so much of the effects. And some of it was almost stuff that people didn't notice or they took it for granted or, you know, if you go back and, and you look at some of those reviews for speed racer, people are really mean. It's, it's like weirdly personally mean. It's, it's, it's very weird, especially for a film that like has these great family values and like spiritual values about art and courage and like finding your sense of self and kind of linking artistry with athleticism. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of wild that, that it was, that it got knocked as hard as it did. But in the years since it's, it's like <laughs> people love it. It's pretty cool. Better than not. Oh yes, absolutely. Like I again, it's it's a it's a regular kind of talking point uh, amongst film fans is is that movie. So uh, I, I I'm happy that it's come to be appreciated even in these years past. Uh, Emil, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I I, I could talk to you for another. 45 minutes about everything else that you've done uh and like i was looking at the immaculate room and that looks fantastic as well looks like it's going to be a real interesting film to watch as well hopefully hopefully when uh when that comes out i'll get a chance to chat to you again yeah i hope so yes for sure thank you so much have a great day all right bye-bye
Rory, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You're not a liar. You said he was a lovely man. And yes, Emil Hirsch is a lovely man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fully warranting his place on, what did we say? Top 35 bangs under 35? Uh, well, you, yeah, you introduced the bang aspect, but yeah, 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 nice bang. I know, but I was just, you, yeah, you let me your copy of it, but that's fine. Um, Emil, so I was wondering, I know he said he's in LA or whatever, but um, you know the way when a certain film from a certain player, or like a certain player, this isn't a football podcast, <laughs> when no, a certain not. film from a certain, <laughs> you wouldn't be here, a certain actor, uh, a particular role just sticks with them forever. Even though he was mm. talking to you from obviously just an, a nice place, um, I just presume he's out in the middle of the wild on that van with like decent Wi-Fi the whole time. He, yeah, like that is the film that I think everyone most associates him with. But uh, while this is an audio podcast, I did actually get to get a little peek into his home. I didn't break in. Oh, I was going to say, does he know? He he was aware, but I kept my camera. Uh, off because he doesn't see, need to see the, the depravity and poverty that I live in. Uh, but he does appear to have a lovely, nice, warm LA home. And I, I guess that's just one of the plus sides of being a nice bang. Yeah, 100%. Uh, those lucky, lucky people. Um, well, listen, thanks everybody again for tuning in to the Big Review Ski. As we said, we're going to have loads of amazing uh, and wonderful interviews coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks and months. And uh, Rory, again, it's amazing to see you. It's amazing to have you back. Welcome back. And everybody else, please don't forget to subscribe to the show, uh, The Big Review Ski. You can follow us on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, we'll see you around. We'll see you for the next one. All right, see you. Bye. Bye.